listener. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast. The Yulikit Woolen Clan of the Boonwurrung, who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to our elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your DM on the stuff that matters, but also the stuff that doesn't. One, two, three, four. Hi guys! Hello! Today's episode, we are transporting back to the UK. Well, in, in your ears, that's where we'll be. But we're here. We're here though. We're, we're here on yeah. the 17th. Well, it really depends when you're Let's listening go back, to this. Though. I want to go back. Let's go back. Okay. Accent and all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to pick it back up. Um, but today's chat was with the incredible Maymar and on Instagram. She is more known as Maymar.lifts. If you don't follow Maymar, I highly recommend following. Her account is incredibly inspiring and empowering. And I think for me particularly or personally, because I am very much into my strength training at the moment. And since we launched Lift, our gym program into the kick app, I have just immersed myself into the gym world and following a lot of people who I find very inspiring in the gym. And a lot of Maymar's content is about kind of pushing through those um, self-doubt thoughts and everything like that when entering the gym. Mayma is an incredible role model for Muslim women and what I just love in all of the content that she does, yeah. it also comes through a lot in this episode, is you can't be what you can't see. Obviously, that's something we talk about all the time. And Mayma just does such an incredible job of helping people not feel alone and empowering them. Mayma very, very generously opens up about having an eating disorder in school in this recording. We also chatted about when her mum found out about her eating disorder. We know in speaking to a, a lot of our community members, a lot of you, speaking to your parents about things that you're going through, especially mm. if, if, it is some, if it is something like disordered eating, which is it is so important that you get help for, that is extremely overwhelming and yeah. hard to do. And Mamer shares how that was for her. She also talks about her experience with anxiety and depression and then how she has used the gym to rebuild her relationship with herself, which is so special, so empowering. We hope you enjoy this episode. Mamer, welcome to the Kick Pod. This is so exciting. Oh, <laughs> we're so excited to have you. And to start off with, we would love to know about your journey so far. It's been an absolute whirlwind. So I'll start from when I started my socials, basically. So when I actually started going to the gym, it's probably March-ish 2019. So I just finished sixth form. I was waiting for university to start. Um, so I was kind of in that gap and I had no real hobbies at the time. And my friend group was just getting smaller. You know, when you stop seeing people through school and stuff, because you're not seeing them on a regular basis. Um, and I was kind of really bored. My self-esteem wasn't in the greatest place. My mental health wasn't in the best of places either so I thought I need to do something that's going to benefit me in the long term both mentally and physically so I decided to go to the gym now it sounds like such an easy decision but it was so so difficult and at that time my anxiety was probably tenfold what it is now um, I'm talking like when the phone rang at work I used to not answer the phone or pretend that I was deaf because I didn't want to I just didn't want to answer the phone because I just didn't know what they were going to say um, and I used to be really bad at speaking to new people so like 
putting myself back in those shoes and seeing myself do a, do a podcast now, I'd be like, no, <laughs> would not do that. Would you be talk to strangers? Are you crazy? <laughs> um, so at that time, I kind of wanted to do something productive. So I went to the gym and my training at that time compared to now wasn't the best, but it, w- it was just what I did to move my body mm. and get those endorphins flowing and make me feel better about myself. Um, and then I started socials as kind of a way to just document my own journey. I never really started it with the intent to become an influencer or to even motivate other people. I just wanted to document my own journey. And at that time, there weren't really many well, any other Muslim influencers that I could look up to or base my style off of either. So it's like I had to kind of make my own space within the fitness industry. And by keeping up with it for so long, obviously it's become such a crazy, crazy thing. It's literally snowballed into this huge community and I'm just so grateful for it. And I think I had to go through that difficulty in order to be where I am now and I'm just so grateful for everyone and for all the women that have come forward and decided to get involved in fitness as well, especially for my community because it's such a niche. Um, And I went through uni as well, so I didn't give up um, uni to pursue social. So I kind of went through with that as well. I think it's important that we still try and pursue our careers and don't don't ditch anything for something that we don't know if it's going to work out or not. So I still work for NHS, which is our health service, and I still um, obviously do influencing as well. Oh, amazing. What a journey. Yeah. I wanted to go back um, about what you said around your mental health Mm -hmm. and rebuilding that relationship Mm -hmm. with yourself. How, can can you take us back a little bit before 2019? What do you think it was that kind of, and you ended up feeling really, really anxious Mm. and then how were you able to, because we have so many of our community listening, like so many people are going through that. So it's amazing that you speak about Mm -hmm. it. How did you rebuild that? And as you said, like you you were anxious to answer the phone and now you're sitting here on a podcast, (laughs) which is just incredible. (laughs) What was that journey like? Um, So let me put myself back into like 2018 shoes. So I didn't really eat a lot. I used to not really have very positive views about my body and my self-image. I didn't really fuel my body enough. I didn't really understand why I should be eating X amount of calories. So I used to like cut them and stuff. I used to be quite depressed and anxious as well at the time. So the two came hand in hand, Mm. which also led to my poor self-esteem, etc, etc. And it was just... At that point as well, it was like I just had enough of feeling like that and I just, I had to do something that was going to make me feel better. I remember as well the doctors at the time, I went to them saying that I'm feeling anxious, feeling depressed and they obviously gave me medication. Um, And then I was just, I didn't want to rely on that for the rest of my life and I thought I need to do something, I need to get myself out of this place because otherwise it could snowball downhill. Um, So I just decided to like wean myself off my meds and just get into the gym and just as a hobby, just to see how it would go. I never thought it would actually make me feel better or it would have any real benefits. I just wanted to try it. So I I can't lie, when I first started going to the gym, it was really, really difficult. I still did feel depressed. I still did feel very, very anxious, especially as someone that wore a headscarf. Mm. Um, and in fact, as well with that, when I first started going to the gym, I used to feel so anxious to be who I was in the gym as a space because there were no other Muslim women in there at that time that I used to find alternative ways of covering my hair. So I used to wear a cap and a hood instead or like just a hood instead of my actual like headscarf because I felt like that would make me look like a target or make me stick out more, which when you've got anxiety, you already feel like that. So it would just amplify that feeling for me. So I kind of just found alternative ways to appear and like be myself, but in a really undercover sort of way. Um, And then eventually when I started eating better, sleeping better, treating myself better, 
slowly, slowly, it was really, really small steps. Um, I did like, obviously I saw the progress that I was making. I felt better in myself every day. I was eating to fuel instead of... How did you, How did I wanted to ask you, how did you do that? How mm. did you go from restricting yourself with your eating to yeah. then rebuilding that? Because mm. I, I food is something that it's it can be controlling mm-hmm. when we're really, really hyper-focused on it. And yeah. how, how did you re- rebuild that? So... When I started going to the gym, I was I was thinking in my mind of what I wanted to look like. Um, and at that time, it was really difficult. I just wanted a big bum. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to have to eat more to get that. So I'll have to eat healthy foods. And I made sure that I was really, really on it with tracking my calories at that time um, and fueling my body in order to get what I wanted. I obviously didn't know at the time that you can't just target grow. I thought that you could, you know, just do like 10 squats and you're going to be Kim K. <laughs> um, so that's how I kind of went into it. And now I've kind of flipped my mindset. So I actually celebrate myself when I go up a jean size. I don't, you know, get um, upset if I gain weight because I know how I've learned about how our bodies are mm-hmm. and how our weight fluctuates naturally and how we shouldn't um, restrict ourselves because of how much we need body fat in mm-hmm. our lives, especially as women. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many negative things can be impacted by a low body weight, especially like stopping periods and all that kind of thing, hair loss, nail loss, like it's just, it's night and day. And mm-hmm. when you learn about how much food really means, like how much it really will impact your health in a positive way, I feel like, for me, it just, it kind of opened my eyes to reality. And then I, I was able to let go of my past self through strength and through training. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it was just, it was a very, very slow, slow process. It took a long time for me to switch, switch um, from one mindset to another. Mm. But um, yeah, I just, yeah. it's crazy to think about now how I used to know exactly how many calories were in a slice of toast, how many were in an apple, and I used to remember tracking it all the time and saying, oh, I can't eat this right now, or I'll have to wait till tomorrow. And like now I'm like, give me everything, all the carbs. Mm. I want chocolate cake afterwards. Mm. Dessert is never an option, it's a must. <laughs> and it's when you take the reins off a little bit that you start to feel that like relief in yeah. in, in what you do. And I, I, I wondered with your strength training, because I find it so empowering watching your videos that you put up because you're so strong um did it get to a point as well with when you wanted to kind of progress in weights and stuff like that you realized that if you weren't eating enough you wouldn't have had the energy to be oh, able yeah. to did it hit that point where you were just feeling lacking yeah, of energy yeah and I was like in my mind because at that well say after I hit my 100 kg deadlift I was like okay I want more <laughs> but that means I'm gonna have to weigh more in order to be stronger to lift more and then slowly slowly through uh, strength training as well I realised that weight gain isn't such a bad thing mm. BMI is bullshit <laughs> like it doesn't mm. take into muscle it doesn't take muscle into account and it's just so insane how before like I used to read Vogue as well and mm-hmm. I used to compare myself to the models in there I'm like I want a thigh gap like that and now I'm like so happy that my thighs touch it's crazy how it's gone from one image to another and I celebrate that fact and I'm proud of that fact and I try and make sure that my audience know that weight gain isn't a bad thing like over the past five months as well I haven't been in the best place but I've been spending a lot more time with my friends so we've been eating a lot more socially and I've put on like five kg but then I realized I've been trying to bulk for like three years (laughs) anyway so why am I being so like this isn't a bad thing and Mm. Even then, you can always lose it if you wanted to. It's not on you forever. And on the other side, though, I am stronger in the gym and I'm performing better in the gym. So I'm like, do I really want to lose it? Probably not. No, and you don't want to lose that that joy in spending time with your friends and family mm-hmm. and not having to be so concerned about yeah. everything that goes into your mouth as well. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I mean for, for both of Steph and I when we went through our 
kind of our journey. Mm. And we, I got in a super bad pattern of disordered eating and I, I used calorie counting apps. So, so I couldn't, and I was so fixated on it and you mm. couldn't look at anything as, as a food. That number. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was really tough and it was, yeah, it was super isolating because you were like, and I, I wonder if I was in this, I was in this mindset of like, I don't want to go out with my friends because I can't control like how the food's being cooked to like put it in my app. And yeah. like, it, it's really, it is so it's sad how, you know, we talk about with, with eating disorders and, and when we have that that really bad relationship with food and exercise, the impacts on our physical health, which are obviously very, very serious, but also mentally, it doesn't just make us feel like we're not enough, but it also then isolates us from the mm. people that are going to help us out of it mm-hmm. yeah. and like remind us of the stuff that's important. Mm-hmm. I remember as well, with that as well, my anxiety was amplified because I remember at home when obviously your mum cooks food and stuff, you can't put that into your apps. And I used to get anxious about how much I'm eating. And then I used to think, oh, I'm going to put so much weight on if I eat too much home food because I don't know how much, how many mm-hmm. calories are in it. And it used to really stress me out. And I remember feeling that way and thinking about that. I remember as well going to like high school and trying to eat from them. Like, I don't know how many calories are in that, so I don't know if I can have it. So then I just used to not have it. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's taking me back as well. I remember even, you know, avoiding having dinner at my and at the time, I, I, was, I was so upset when his mum, like, didn't understand me and, like, I'd felt really judged if um, if she was, like, really hurt by me not coming over for dinner or eating and then coming over. But at the time, it was, like, because I, I had no idea how obsessed I was with, like, the food that I was eating. And it makes me so sad to think of, like, how many dinners I missed out with his family when he was living at home still and, you know, all together just because I was so scared of, like, what ingredients she might be using and... I, um, yeah, I, I didn't go down the path of calorie counting, but it was very, I, I demonized certain food groups and would like almost like make up intolerances in my head and to just to avoid certain food groups and stuff. And it's, it's, it's horrible. And that the thing about it is, cause we get asked a lot by our community, unfortunately, who might be in the thick of it is it's not, you don't wake up one day and it's, it's all gone. So I wonder in your journey, how, how have you gone with it? And, um, I suppose are you, are you in a really good place now with it? Um, I want to say, yeah, obviously we all have our bad body image days and mm-hmm. sometimes... It's a journey. You yeah. don't just fix it. Yeah, yeah. It, never, it kind of never leaves you. It's kind of in the back of your mind, but you have to learn to be able to say, no, that's wrong and justify it with fact on what you've learned. Mm. I feel like even with anxiety and you know how um, people describe it as Anna voice? It's in your head. It's still in my head sometimes today. And I'm like, shut up. Just put it in a box and go away, like locked up forever. Don't come back out because I'm so much more healthy. I'm so much more happier. Like there's only positives that have come out of me gaining weight. There's no negatives apart from what a couple rolls when you sit down. But what are bodies made for? It's our bodies. Exactly. But there's, and no one can even see that. Obviously, because I wear hijab and like I wear modest clothing. No one can see that. So why am I acting like this is like the end of the world for me um and as well there's just there's just so many more positives that I've come to treating myself better than what happened when I was treating myself negatively um and in our religion as well we believe that our bodies are alone from God so we need to be able to treat them properly and we're going to be questioned about how we treated our bodies and I want to do obviously better in my religion and better for my God so I'm going to treat myself better and justify it with that um and as well, there's so many women out there that kind of associate fitness with anorexia. Mm. And I remember going to the gym and like going on the Stairmaster and stuff like that. But and doing star jumps in my room when no one was home. Oh, my God, taking me back now. <laughs> when, so if, if you don't mind, only if you're comfortable, but if you go back to that that mm. time, when did that relationship with your body start changing? Because I think we, we talk about often like as young mm. women, you don't think about your body and then all of a sudden you start you thinking do. about it. Yeah. 
when, when did did you start developing your your eating disorder and then how did you how did you work through that pre 2019 i think it was to, well in year 9 to 10 so that's, that's the, they're the hardest years aren't they yeah yeah cuz it's like you're just exposed to like the world of women and like social media and all that kind of thing at that time socials weren't huge but i just remember being huge on vogue mm. and it was a really negative negative impact it had a really negative impact on me um obviously because of the self-comparison thing and wanting to be the thinnest and wanting to be the smallest size possible I remember being really excited that I was a size six and if I was a size six now I'd be mortified because like there's no junk in your trunk <laughs> quite sad <laughs> um but I just remember at the time I was like super stoked about being that small and I remember as well like it got um flagged at school council and then I was like looking online for ways to like make the scales heavier when you get weighed because that's what they used to do to you mm. and I used to like skip my appointments with like the counsellor and stuff it was horrible being through high school some people have like really nice memories but for me it's just it was one of the lowest parts of my life did you talk to your family about it um not explicitly no because at that time my siblings were quite young, but it was quite, it was, there was a lot going on. And I felt like I didn't want to burden anyone with it. So I kind of just, just went through with it, you know? Um, and I remember as when well, my parents did pick up on how much I was eating at dinner. Um, and obviously they were concerned, but I didn't really say anything or do anything about it. And then I just kind of kept skipping the appointments until school ended because I knew that it was going to be over soon. When did you did you get to a point where you did open up to your parents about what you went through? Um, I did open up to my mum at one point and she was like a bit, Obviously, she was really, really upset by it. Yeah. And I, I, I like my heart breaks when I think about what happened that day that she found out. And she kind of, she just didn't know how to deal with it. And obviously, I don't blame her for that at yeah. all because I'm her oldest child. I'm her first child. So how would you deal with that? Especially as a mother of three children, you know, you've got so much on your plate already. And it's like, I, I felt so bad for burdening her with that. But it's, we've obviously, we've come a long way from that. And at the time, she might not have known how to help me. But now she's like my number one fan. <laughs> Did you sit down and tell her or how, how did you, how did she find out? Um, through school, actually. I didn't okay. tell her direct. School rang her because they were concerned for my health. Obviously, at the time, they actually told me that they weren't going to inform parents and then they did and I was like, oh my God, I can't trust anyone. <laughs> and when you, do you remember, did you come home from school and like your mum was like, hey, I've, I've spoken to the school They called her in. So she had to come into the school oh. in, the, like, in the middle of the school day yeah, and then okay. sit down with the counsellors and stuff. And then they were saying, oh yeah, we're concerned. Your daughter's like not eating. <laughs> mm. That would yeah. have been really tough having that kind of conversation with your mum, but then not just with your mum, with mm. like everyone else as well. It was, yeah, it was kind of blasted open because I told them in confidence and then they bought my mum in and my mum I think at the time she bought a friend for um just like as just because she needed some support because mm. she didn't know what it was for mm. um and then it was just like my whole personal life everything that I'd been going through on my own has just been like put on the table for everyone to to look at and I was like oh mm. it's a bit much it was very very overwhelming I remember that yeah I think it's completely kind of natural though that you went and and spoke to um them before opening up to your loved mm -hmm. ones. I think it's something that mm. when we care about someone so much or we know that, especially when it's like our parents, they look at it, look at us a certain way and you just want them to be proud and like mm. happy and you don't want to put that burden on them. But it's like usually it's your loved ones who care the most for you and, and, and want to do, even if they can't relate or they don't have the expertise, they want to be there for mm -hmm. you. Um, I, I can relate to that. I didn't tell my mum or any of my, even my best friends yeah. until I think I might have even 
I reckon I made that YouTube video and which was like 2015 and opened up a lot of, about a lot of it. And then I had some of my closest friends be like, oh my God, I had no, no idea. idea yeah. And for some reason, that's what I felt more comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And then once you do, once you have opened up to them, it's like, okay, we can now talk about this kind of yeah, thing yeah. or they can be aware and they can. So what was it like after your mum found out? Um, it was a bit awkward, mm. you know, there's like, the, you know, in the back of her head, like in the back of your mind that your mum knows mm. it's out now. So you're not alone, but at the same time you are being observed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so slowly, slowly, she used to try and get me to eat more. Sometimes obviously it just didn't go down well. Um, and then sometimes I guess she just didn't know how to deal with it. So she kind of left me to my own devices, which again, I don't blame her for at all. Cause I wouldn't know how to deal with that either. Um, yeah, it was it was awkward for a long time. Mm. But now, slowly, slowly, obviously with the way that training has been and stuff, since then it's just blossomed. How proud is your mum of you now? Oh my God, she's like my biggest fan. Literally <laughs> the other day she went through all my videos and then she's... She, <laughs> my little sister as well knows, obviously. So she came upstairs with my mum. Mum's like, oh, I just thought I'd come and give you a hug because I've seen all your videos. You're so strong. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. She's so cute. And like, she's started going to the gym as well. She's like, I want to be like you. (laughs) Oh, that's the best. Oh, yeah, she's so sweet. And if you could go back now with the confidence that you've built Mm. and where you're at mentally and Mm. and with you in a relationship with your body and and how you feel as you, what would you say to that, you know, year nine self? Love yourself more. Because at that age as well, you're so vulnerable to so many things. You've you're going to be exposed to so many things and you're still so young and you don't know much about the world and how real everything is. Just love yourself more because in those moments where you're alone and you could just so easily just self-destruct, you need need that kind of self-confidence. And I wish I could just hug my younger self and be like, it's going to be okay. Just ride it out. You'll be fine. You mentioned before your mum going to the gym now which is amazing <laughs> did you and, and also what you touched on at the start around you know when you first started going to the gym you, you weren't wearing your headscarf you were wearing a, a hoodie and a hat mm-hmm. in your community and, and in your religion do you find that was there role modeling of people going to the gym or it, not not at all and you you've kind of created that path there were none at the time there were none there were some other like uh, muslim influences but none into fitness mm. or that space at all so it was really, really difficult as well trying to make and find outfits that would represent my faith and be all right with like the hijab side of things, but also in like the gym that are like functional. So it was really difficult. I remember having a hard time as well at the start trying to work out what outfits I could and couldn't wear. And sometimes it got quite lost. Um, but now I'm so confident in who I am. I've got my own style, you know, rocking it every day. <laughs> and how many, I'm guessing you would have just, or I know that you would have influenced so and helped many. so oh. many other women in mm-hmm. your position that maybe didn't feel like they could go to the gym or mm-hmm. they didn't know what to wear or they didn't see themselves there. I think like it's, we always say like, obviously we can't be what we can't see. Mm-hmm. Do you speak to women that you've helped? Every day. Yeah. Every day. Amazing. They're like, oh my God, you, you're like one of my modest influencer like favourites. And like, I didn't know what to wear at the gym until I started seeing your videos. Thank you so much for inspiring me. And I'm so grateful to all those people because I'm trying to be the person that wasn't there for me when I was just starting out. So now to be that person for, for these people is insane. And I wish I could just hug them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's so special. And, and do you find in the UK, the gym is a really inclusive place? 
It can be. I remember when I first started, I think it was just the timing of when I started. There wasn't a huge, huge fitness industry, like hardly, like social media and fitness back then was dormant. It was quiet. It was dead. You only really heard like big, big names mm-hmm. like Steve Cook and stuff like that. And even then it wasn't like mainstream in fitness. Like I used to train at a commercial gym. I didn't really feel that welcome, but that's because I didn't integrate myself into the gym. So I had no friends there. I just kind of used to show up, not really speak to anyone and then leave. And obviously with commercial gyms, you see kind of different people all the time. So now I go to like a more independent owned gym and I've made my friends there feel well established. People kind of just know who I am in the most non-egotistical way possible. <laughs> um, but like, I feel comfortable in my community and even with socials as well, I've made so many friends online that you just, you never seem to feel alone. Mm. And that's the biggest thing with my platform is I don't want people to feel alone in their journeys. I don't want people to feel like they're the only hijabi. I don't want people to feel like they're the only Muslim woman that are trying to make space for themselves in the fitness industry or that they don't belong there. Um, I want to show people that we do belong here and mm. we will continue to be in the fitness space mm. and we we've earned our spot just as well as anyone else has. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I mean, I feel like that was powerful in itself, but if there is any M- Muslim women listening who haven't made that step into going to the gym, and only if it's something that they want to do, of course, mm-hmm. what what's something that you would say? It's only going to benefit you in the long run. Like, you're mentally going to feel so much better. You're going to be so much more mobile and flexible, especially in your older ages. And it just helps you structure your day and your whole life a lot better with your meals, with your sleep, with everything else in your day. It just... It, it's like, it's crazy to think about my life without a gym and how unorganized and like how the structure would be. It's only going to benefit you. And I know it's scary. It's absolutely terrifying. I'm not going to lie and say that it's the easiest thing in the world to get sign up to the gym mm. and, you know, start going, especially if you're on your own. But just know that I'm rooting for you. <laughs> Please reach out and I'll like hug you through the screen. <laughs> How did you make friends in the gym? Because I think that's something that a lot of people like yeah. to, you go in there and of course, once you have, it's so actually now, now I'm saying this out loud, it's once you know one person in an environment, it feels like yeah. you're, you belong there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know anyone, you actually don't feel like you, you belong. Yeah. How did you have that first connection mm. for everyone listening? Because I think that just helps so mm. much with gym anxiety, like getting to mm. know people there and also people that are like, you know, love health and wellness and, and they love fitness and mm-hmm. that you obviously have that in common. Yeah. So how did you, what, what is your advice? So <laughs> this is such a silly story, right? So it was the first day in the new gym that I just joined. My anxiety is through the roof. I have to sit in the car for at least 20 minutes to gather myself. So I'm just sat there just observing. And then I see this other car come and there's this giant pothole in the middle of the car park. So his wheel just like crashes into it. And then I come out of the car and then we end up walking into the gym together. And then he just mentions to me, did you see that pothole? And I'm like, are you you talking to me? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, yeah, it's awful, isn't it? And then we basically just started having a conversation. Mm. Um, And then we saw each other again. And it was like this old guy. Like, you would never think that he he would even start a conversation with me. Never mind, like over a pothole, you know? <laughs> so we just started, started from there. And then eventually we just like had like little chits and chats here mm. and there about like, how's your training session going and stuff like that. And then eventually he just saw me deadlifting and he was like, I've never seen a lady do that before here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so it's literally over like the smallest thing. Mm. And he was so friendly. And then with socials as well, like with my gym, if you tag them, they repost your stuff. So I did that a couple of times and then I've had people come up to me and say, you made me lifts. And then I just pretend that that's not me. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then like, eventually, obviously, I tell them that it's me. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. The other thing we wanted to ask about was Ramadan. Mm-hmm. And how, that is it. how many days does it go for? 30 days. 30 mm-hmm. days. And so mm-hmm. during, do you, can you speak to, to what it is for anyone that, that doesn't know? And yeah. then how do you, because obviously movement is such an important part of your life. Mm-hmm but you can't eat for mm. so many hours of the yeah. day during that time. How do you manage your training? Yeah. So Ramadan is a period of 29 to 30 days. It just depends on the moon. Um, and it's a period of days where we basically try and shut off all worldly, worldly distractions and focus on our faith and our spiritual journey. So with the abstinence from food, it's kind of to focus on the less fortunate and to really just suppress our human desires for God and for um, our sole focus in strengthening our relationship with God. Um, and we take that time just to kind of stop kind of wasting time and getting carried away with day to day and re like re-engage our focus with our creator. So we kind of spend that time to reflect. And during that time, training, it takes a backseat. It's not supposed to be a priority during that time. We're supposed to be focusing on God. Obviously, fitness is such a huge part of my life, but at that time, it's just not the right time to prioritize it. So it kind of, it takes a backseat and everything kind of is toned down. So for me, because I do weight training, I kind of, I would strip that back completely. So I'll only do like maybe two or three sessions a week, sessions a week um, and replace them for like walks, that kind of thing. Very low, low intensity stuff. Um, especially as well, women, we don't have to fast if um, we're on our periods. So during that time as well, it's kind of like you can start doing a bit more, like more intense work. But Mostly for that month, I kind of just do really, really low intensity stuff. Mm. So I posted on my Instagram as well, like routines that you can do during that time that aren't so heavy. Um, And you don't really... The thing is as well, with Ramadan, it's more like your diet, which is important. Obviously, if you don't use it, you lose it with your muscle. But 30 days isn't going to impact it that much that you're going to, you know, Mm. lose your Kim K (laughs) shape. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I kind of just take it easy. I know that my body's not fueled enough for my kind of standard Mm -hmm. workouts. I know that it's just not going to happen, especially with our broken sleep cycles, because you have to wake up at like 2am in the morning, because that's just before sunrise where we have our our small meal and then pray and then go back to sleep. So I know that it's just going to be unrealistic to think the world of my sessions or to expect, you know, mountains during my workouts so I kind of understand that and just don't bother pushing for anything too crazy I'm moving to keep my mental health well I'm not moving to gain anything right now I'm not going for any PRs I'm not going crazy I'm just going for a light walk or just something really really easy what what is a day like a routine on in Ramadan a, mm. a day like for mm-hmm. so with workers work can get quite tricky mm. so on a work day, say the our fast would break probably at like nine ish the previous night, and then we probably don't go to bed till like half eleven ish just because we've got extra pose to do during Ramadan. And then you, you eat after you eat at nine. Yes, we'll eat at nine. And, and then, how do you go from because you haven't eaten all day? Mm-hmm. Do you just do you have to like eat slowly or how, how do you? Mm. You know what? For me, the thing that I miss the most is water throughout the day. So I'm like chugging it. I'll drink my water as well, so I'll have loads of fruit which is so important as well for vitamins. And then just have like a really high calorie carb meal. Mm. Some people don't have loads of carbs just because it makes them feel sleepy, but I'm so hungry that I just want to eat, you know, anything mm. and everything mm. in sight. So we'll usually have like a home cooked meal or something um, quite 
heavy or calorie dense. Mm. And because we've got basically the window of sunset to the next day, sunrise to eat. So you can kind of stagger your calories throughout. Um, and because we've got prayers to do as well, obviously you've got physical movement within that. So you're, you're able to kind of like split your meals. And obviously in the morning at 2am, you're not going to want to eat like a three course dinner <laughs> like for me it's just a bowl of cereal at best <laughs> so I kind of just kind of split my calories throughout the night if I've got work the next day I'll try and sleep instead of eating and then obviously get up try and eat as much as I can and then go back to sleep like two and then wake up at six for work get to work at eight eight till half six in the evening is work and then come home yeah and then like I'll try and have like a nap for like half an hour and then it's eating time half nine. So with work, it's quite intense. Um, but if it's like a weekend, then it's not that bad because you can, mm-hmm. you've can you got time to sleep in. So on a weekend, like I'll sleep in till like 12, one-ish because obviously we've gone to bed so late. Yes. Um, and sometimes I'll try and stay up throughout the night just because it's easier for me to eat throughout if I'm awake rather than getting up and having to eat. Um, and then I'll probably go for like a light walk or my training sessions will usually happen just after I've woken up mm-hmm. just because um, I've got the most energy at that time and then I can just come home and sleep or just like chill out, you know? Mm. Um, And I don't have to think about training during that time. I don't really like to train after I've broken my fast because I feel quite full and I feel quite sluggish as well, especially because I don't usually train after having such a huge meal. I have to eat the night beforehand Mm. for my session to go well. I just know my body, that's just what works for me, you know? I feel like everyone kind of falls into their own routine. But when it was my first Ramadan in training, I found it really difficult to Mm. find what works for me. Um, So I had to like experiment with different training times and just see what works, really. Mm. It's all about learning about yourself and your habits and your own body. Wow. Thank mm. you for sharing that. Yeah, really, really, really appreciate yeah. it. Mm. Before we wrap up, for anyone listening, if, you, if there was one piece of advice mm. that you could leave them with, what would it be? Other mm. than the gold that you've already left them with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, don't give up on yourself because you never know how things are going to be in a month, two months, a year, two years. For me, when I started out my socials, I never thought it would balloon into this amazing thing that it's become for me. Like, I wouldn't be sat here today if I gave up posting a year ago. Um, And don't give up on yourself when you don't see what you want to see, because sometimes results take a long time to cultivate, and you're not going to see the day-to-day progresses that you're making. Mm -hmm. You have to wait for a certain amount of time to pass before you're going to be able to say, oh, I look like this then, I look like this now. Or even mental progress. Mm. Like, not all progress is, like, you're not able to see all types of progress. You need to think about your mental progress as well, how much better you might feel in yourself and how much more love you treat yourself with. Um, And don't deny yourself of that love, you know? I love Love that. that. That's so beautiful. And I I do, I said it was the last question, but I have one more question. (laughs) When you were posting, did you ever worry about people, what people were going to think? 100%. I was so scared. I thought, like, I never... I was so anxious to post it on, like, my close friends. and like Because I had a personal Instagram. I've still, got it, I've still got it now, to be fair. But it had all my, like, close high friends, like, high school friends on it. And I thought, oh, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to think I'm a loser. And, like, back then as well, my camera angles used to be atrocious. Like, I just used to put my phone on the floor and I was too anxious to film myself. So I used to just... Put it on record That's and then just right run now. away. Yeah, it was, it's so scary. It's absolutely terrifying. I don't want people to look at me and be like, what is she doing? Mm. <laughs> so I used to just just film like the most oddest angles mm. and make all these like cool, crazy edits and stuff and just post them and talk about food in my story. But slowly, slowly, it kind of, it got 
bigger and bigger and then I did work with Pure Gym for the first time and that was like my first like proper shoot oh my god I was so anxious during that day <laughs> I still remember that every time I'm on another shoot now I kind of think back to my Pure Gym shoot days and I'm like oh my god that was so bad because <laughs> I was so anxious that I couldn't even ask to see the photos I was that anxious um, and I kind of just wanted to leave ASAP but <laughs> you know sometimes like, you have to go through these experiences mm. to shape yourself and to look back on now and actually laugh at them you know and now you are, mm. so there is a gym shark store on Regent Street. So for ev- everyone listening in Australia, mm. it is, Regent Street is, this is humongous. I can't, we've got nothing comparable in no. Australia. So like, I can't even say what it is. It's, just, it's a massive, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful street. And there is a gym shark store, which is so huge. Mm-hmm. And there is, a, it's an incredible store. And there is a very, very large or multiple oh my God. pictures and posters <laughs> of you around the store. And it is incredible. It was insane to be part of the campaign I was there for the store opening which was massive because obviously it's such a monumental event for Gymshark for the first flagship store after being online for so long since it was founded was that their first store it's their first store yeah and it's their only store Yeah, so it's it's like such a huge thing it's like their only store is on Regent Street yeah (laughs) that is so cool and obviously I've been there for the opening been there for other couple events and then earlier this year I went to LA with Gymshark for a campaign shoot and that was like one of the most insane moments of my life I was like booking my annual leave off work I was like yeah I need to go to LA for a shoot (laughs) so you better give me this leave otherwise I'm gonna be (laughs) sick (laughs) so I got the leave obviously and I went and it was just such a crazy crazy experience and then I haven't been back to the store since maybe earlier this year before the shoot so I haven't seen actual photos and things physically people have sent them to me but Mm. it's a different thing when you go Mm. in real life so I just popped around and I was like wow that's me today (laughs) yeah amazing (laughs) oh it's so crazy as well and I'm I'm right by the door so I'm like I'm I like to think of myself as a bouncer (laughs) I love it oh it's amazing you you should be so proud proud. and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it's just been such an honor to to have you on thank you for taking the time and sharing your wisdom Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to get involved in the KickPod, <laughs> you can. We have got a KickPod Instagram where you can send us a DM about your thoughts on the podcast, some questions, some stories that happen to you. <laughs> Honestly, whatever you want to send in, we would love to see and read it and hear it and chat to you. And that is at KickPod on Insta. We would also appreciate your following if you would like to support the podcast. Come and follow that account. (laughs) That is where we'll be sharing a lot of this kind of content. So we hope you guys enjoy that. If you want to learn more about Kick, the Kick app, we have a website, kickapp.com, or you can head to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and download our app. We have a seven-day free trial if you'd like to check out the app. And we're also on Instagram at laura.henshaw and at Smith. And you can find us over on TikTok as well at Kick. But we'll be back in your ears very soon. Bye!